Sunday school kids. All right, it's good to see everybody here today. I'm going old school like Brandon instead of high tech like Pastor Paul. I'm used to using technology at work, but I'm not used to the i stuff, the apples. I'm used to the, the PC stuff and my PowerPoints, and I don't know how to make that work here, but that's okay. Uh, with Pastor Paul and Pastor Brandon gone, they had to search out somebody else that could stand up here for a few minutes and, and talk to you. So uh, Garrick is gone. And Wayne's was gone all this past week, so they bowed out and left me with the, the task of bringing a message to you today. So as I thought about that, I tried to think, what did I need to hear about? So I hope you all will uh, sit back and enjoy a sermon I'm preaching to myself, and hopefully you can get something out of it as well. As you see, the title is Words of Wisdom. So what is Wisdom. Oh, I looked it up, and one definition I found said, the ability to discern judgment, what is true, right, and lasting. Now, I've also heard it described as the knowledge or ability to avoid dumb mistakes, gained through making dumb mistakes. The good news is, however, you don't have to make all the dumb mistakes. You can gain some of that knowledge from other people's dumb mistakes, like uh, seeing the little tag on the hairdryer that you bought that says, don't use this while in the bathtub. You don't have to make that mistake. Somebody else has already done it for you. Take that little piece of wisdom for what it's worth. Let somebody else touch the hot stove. And when they get their hand burned, you learn from that. Take their dumb mistake and make it your wisdom. Don't stick a, a fork or a knife into an electrical outlet. Let somebody else do that. Been there, done that, so take my wisdom, use it as your own. I just happened to think since I touched my phone. If you have your phone and you're on Facebook, you're welcome to pull it out and check in on Facebook that you're at Emmaus Road today. I was talking to Brandon about that this past week. He said it's greatly increased our traffic of people coming to our website and checking us out. So if you've got that, I give you permission to bring, get your phone out and check in on Facebook now. But just don't keep it out and scroll it all the way down through there. So I've got a question for you folks. This will be interactive time. What are some words of wisdom that you've been given or that you've given to somebody else? Yeah, Wayne. Don't roller skate in a buffalo herd. I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. Especially given the fact that somebody was out jogging this week and got gored by a buffalo out in Montana or somewhere. So that's good wisdom. Anybody else? I'm sure there's lots of wisdom out here. Yes. There you go. Always have a hat with you, even when it's not that cold. It might be, depending on where you are, especially in the time of year. Yes? Think before you speak. Very good. I like that one. The adage that God gave us two ears and one mouth, use them in that proportion. Listen twice as much as you talk. Good one. 
Anybody else? Yes. Very good. That is a good one. Choose your friends carefully. Anybody else have one to add? On preparing for this message, I did a little internet search and said, what's going to come up if I type words of wisdom in there in the search engine? Sure enough, the first thing that comes up is a website you can go to, and there's a whole collection of words of wisdom and quotes from famous people about famous or about individual topics, whatever you want to look up, there's something there. So I was going to share a few of them with you from people you might recognize. Dr. Martin Luther King, great leader of the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Pretty profound. John F. Kennedy, our 35th president of the United States. My fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Now, it may not at first sound like wisdom, but it really is. It's don't be self-centered, be others-centered. Focus yourself outwardly. Albert Einstein, one of the greatest uh, physicians, not physicians, physicists to ever live. I got three of his. I thought they were pretty good. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunities. We hear that in the business world all the time. There's, there are no problems. There are just opportunities. Right, Wayne? So anytime you're facing a difficult situation, remember there's an opportunity that goes along with it. Anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. So if you haven't made any mistakes lately, you're not trying too many new things. Maybe you ought to venture out a little bit. It's better to laugh about your problems than to cry about them. Crying doesn't do much about it. Laughing at least will make you feel better. Abraham Lincoln, who's a Kentucky native, by the way. They, they claim him over in Illinois, but he was born in Kentucky, so we have to claim what we can there. 16th President of the United States, presided over one of the most difficult times in our country's history, said, if you look for the bad in people expecting to find it, you surely will. Isn't that true? If you go out looking for the bad in another person, you're usually going to find it because we all have bad. It's just a matter of whether we look for it or not. He also said, adversity does not make us frail. It only shows us how frail we are. Mother Teresa, a, I guess she was a nun or at least worked in India, Calcutta, India, with the poor there, the poorest of the poor, the people who had absolutely nothing, said, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. And she said, we shall never know all the good that a simple smile will do. How many times has somebody smiled at you and brightened your day, changed your outlook on a day? Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States and the principal author of our uh, Declaration of Independence, said, he who knows best knows how little he knows. This is one of those things uh, some of you may or may not know. I went to college for a long time. My parents thought I was making a career out of it. 
And uh, one of the things I learned the longer I stayed in college was the smarter I got, the dumber I realized I was. Because the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. There's so much out there that we can't possibly know. Nelson Mandela was the leader of South Africa after spending, what, 20-some years in prison, got out and was elected, I think it's president, that's what they call it, South Africa. It says, a winner is a dreamer who never gives up. He also said, lead from the back and let others believe they are in front. I believe that would be otherwise termed a servant leader. Lead by serving. Buddha, which I don't proclaim to be a Buddhist, but this saying was pretty good, I thought. Be where you are, otherwise you will miss your life. So stay in the moment. Don't worry about what's ahead or what's behind. Be where you are. Some of you, I'm sure, are sports fans, as I am, particularly college basketball sports. And uh, John Wooden, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, coached at the UCLA in the 60s and 70s, won 10 national championships in 12 years. Pretty successful coach. He said, a coach is someone who can give correcting without causing resentment. That's pretty good, if you can correct somebody without making them resent you. Some of you may have heard of this guy, Dr. Kevin Lehman. He's written a few books, uh, one of which is called Have a New Husband by Friday. He's also got one, I think, Have a New Teenager by Friday. But uh, in the book Have a New Husband by Friday, he says marriage at, one, at its core is all about respect for the other person. And respect goes both ways. And Maya Angelou, who's an author and poet from St. Louis, Missouri, said, if you are always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. So strive to be abnormal so you can see how amazing you are. So those are a few of the quotes that I saw off that website that I thought were pretty good. And I think if you notice, none of those quotes were biblical in nature. They were just life lessons. However, I would challenge you that the, the greatest wisdom is found in this book here, the Bible. And it's scattered all through the Bible, but there are a few specific places that you can find great wisdom. The book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom from King Solomon. King Solomon was the son of King David by his wife Bathsheba. So you may remember Bathsheba was the wife that that was not his wife to begin with. She was uh, another man's wife, and David uh, committed adultery with her, and they ended up having a son. But King Solomon was one of the wisest men that ever lived. In a dream, the Lord asks Solomon what he would want the Lord to give him if he could have anything. And Solomon requested discernment. So God gave him a discernment as well as great wealth, and power. In 1 Kings 4.29, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And later on in chapter 4, it says, He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described plant life, 
from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So he was a pretty well-respected person of wisdom. One of the examples of his wisdom, before you get to the book of Proverbs, is on display in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. Some of you may have heard this story before. It's one I heard as a kid. It's a little disturbing for a kid to hear it, but uh, still uh, one of the wise, one of the examples of his wisdom. It said, now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him, and this was King Solomon. One of them said, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her, head, her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, and the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. This one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword to the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to each of the women. The woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you should have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. So that's just an example of the type of wisdom that God gave King Solomon. I don't believe I would have tried that way of uh, determining who was the true mother. I would probably ask a lot of questions and sent somebody to the house, see if they could see, you know, identify the child as looking more like one. But no, he decides to order the baby cut in half. Seems a little harsh, but it seemed to work out for him. So what is a proverb? It says he spoke 3,000 of them. Proverb in Hebrew means sage or moralistic pronouncement. The book of Proverbs, found in the Old Testament here, is a library of instruction on how to live a godly life here on earth and how to be assured of reward in the life to come. So here's a whole book in the Bible dedicated to wisdom. The theme running throughout the book is wisdom for living. There are specific teachings included in the instruction on folly, sin, goodness, wealth, poverty, the tongue, pride, humility, 
justice, vengeance, strife, gluttony. Those of you don't know, that's eating too much. Love, lust, laziness, friends, the family, life, and death. So it covers a pretty wide gamut there. Almost every facet of human life relationships are mentioned and the teachings of the book are applicable to all men everywhere. A couple of examples of what I'm referring to in terms of Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. says, train a child up in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So admonishing us to teach our children the right ways when they're young, so that when they get older, they know what they're supposed to do. The very next verse says, the rich will rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Teaching us not to go around borrowing money all the time, because when you borrow money, whoever you've borrowed it from now owns part of your life. They can control part of your life. So it's better not to borrow money as much as you can. It's interesting that uh, the book of Proverbs is broken up into 31 chapters. It just happens to be that seven of our 12 months have 31 days in them. The rest of them have less than 31 days. So there's at least a chapter of Proverbs for every day of the month. I think that's pretty neat. That was even probably before the Julian calendar came out, right? The one we go by now. But uh, still, it's, it's interesting how that works. So you can read a chapter of Proverbs every day of the month. Now with 31 chapters, we know there's, what, uh, four months that have 30 days and one that only has 28 or 29 days. So those months you're not going to get to all the chapters. But that's okay. How many of you know what chapter 31 is about in Proverbs? The good woman, good wife, actually, right? So, there's not a chapter about the good husband. So maybe we didn't intend for us to spend or dwell on that 31st chapter of the good wife too much. Even though there's good information there, not just for women, but for men as you're searching for a wife, to look for the type of woman who God says will be a good wife. In chapter 22 of Proverbs, there's a section that starts by saying that uh, he's recorded 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge for us. I've got those 30 here. I really just took like one sentence. What I'm going to read for you here, there's explanation behind each of these phrases in there. The first one is pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Pretty good advice. Listen to the wise people. Do not exploit the poor. Do not make friends with hot-tempered men. So there's one of your... Choose your friends wisely, right? Larissa says here, don't make friends with hot-tempered men. It goes on to tell you you don't do that because then you become one of those people yourself. Do not be a man who strikes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. The reason for that is if you can't pay the debt, then you lose your house or your collateral that you put up for that debt. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. Do not see a man skilled in his do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. So 
If you want to serve before kings, you want to be respected, do your best work. Be the best you can be. When you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. So don't go as a guest somewhere and try to eat all the food on the table. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. It goes on to say the reason is well, riches and wealth are fleeting and they are but a vapor and will be gone. Do not eat the food of a stingy man. He will resent you for it. Do not speak to a fool. You've got to be careful there. You've got to judge somebody to decide whether they're a fool or not. Fools will identify themselves. If you go through the whole book of Proverbs, it tells you several times in there who's a fool and who's not. So if you want to know whether somebody's a fool or not, just read Proverbs so you can learn who a fool is. Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless, for it says God will take up their cause. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad. Do not let your heart envy sinners. Listen, my son, and be wise and keep your heart on the right path. Listen for your father. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Respect for your mother and father. Talks about that a couple more times in there, Proverbs 2. My son, give your heart, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways, for a prostitute is a deep pit, and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Avoid sexual immorality or impurity. Who has hope? Woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaints, who has needless bruises, who has bloodshot eyes? These are all rhetorical questions because the next sentence gives you the answer. Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. And I don't think that's telling you to never touch a glass of wine. It says those who linger over wine, use a lot of wine, are the ones who have those problems. Do not envy wicked men. Do not desire their company. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. A wise man has great power, and a man of knowledge increases strength. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the assembly at the gate, he has nothing to say. And understand, in those times, all the elders or wise people gathered at the gate to give out their wisdom or to answer questions and stuff. And so it's saying that... A fool doesn't have enough wisdom to say anything when they're sitting at the gate with the wise men. He who plots evil will be known as a schemer. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those being led away to death. Tell us we have a responsibility for our fellow man. If you see somebody doing something that will harm them, you have a responsibility to... Let them know about that and help save them from that. Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. Do not lie in wait like an outlaw against a righteous man's house. Do not raid his dwelling place. 
Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When he stumbles, do not let your heart rejoice. That one seems a little strange, doesn't it? Don't get excited when your enemy fails. It says if you do that, that God will take his wrath off of your enemy and they will no longer fail. Do not, or do not fret because of evil men or be envious of the wicked. And the 30th one says, fear the Lord and the king, my son. So we're supposed to have fear of the Lord, respect for the Lord and for our leaders. If you notice in your bulletin there, you'll see that I have uh, James chapter 1 listed uh, as part of the scripture for today. You probably were expecting the whole sermon to be about James chapter 1, but it's not. We're covering a lot of Proverbs because Proverbs is a book of wisdom about living life in general. I bring in James chapter 1 because James, and this James who wrote this, it's assumed as Jesus' half-brother James, and this is written more as wisdom to how to put your faith into practice in your life. If you believe in Jesus and he is the Lord of your life, how do you make that known in your life, day in and day out? How do you put it into practice? In the first chapter, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So if you want wisdom, ask for it, and God will give it to you. But you must believe that he will give it to you. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Sin gives birth to death, so the, the wages of sin is death. The whole book of James, which is not very big, it's only five chapters long, so you can't read a chapter of it every day for the month or you're going to go through it six times, is it? Five times six. But it's not a very big book, but it is a book full of, filled with wisdom. One of my favorite scriptures of, of wisdom, it's not listed as wisdom in the Bible, but uh, I find it wise, is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Most of you have probably heard this verse, maybe even heard it read or given during a wedding ceremony. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is God's definition of love. And I don't know if you paid any attention or listened while I was reading that, but nowhere in the scripture does it say love is a feeling. 
Everything in here is an action, not a feeling. It's not how you feel about somebody. It's how you treat somebody. I heard a, a gentleman somewhere, or I read or, or heard a gentleman one time talking about giving advice to his daughter who was starting to date, thinking about boys. And he told her that as she considered guys to date or was considering a guy for a future husband, that she should take this scripture verse and everywhere it says love to insert that young man's name and see if it described him. And if it didn't, she probably shouldn't consider him for a future mate. I would say the same would hold true for men looking for a few, or boys or men looking for a future wife. Take this scripture about love and wherever it says love, put the girl's name in there and see if it describes her. If it does when you get done, then she's probably a pretty good candidate. If you say, yeah, maybe not so much, then maybe you should look elsewhere, continue your search with the assistance of God. I encourage you, as I wind up here, to use the Bible to get wisdom. Use that as your main source of wisdom. And in doing so, I strongly urge you to get a study Bible. There are lots of different ones out there. This one, as you might tell, has got a little age on it. I think it was given to me as a graduation gift from high school. I'll unfortunately tell you it did not get much use for the first few years. But as an adult, I've used it significantly. And I encourage you to do that because... A study Bible will help you put Scripture into context. Because sometimes Scripture can be confusing. Even wisdom Scripture, like Proverbs, can be confusing. Like chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. It says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. And the very next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, or, you will be or he will be wise in his own eyes. So in one verse it tells you, do not answer a fool according to his folly. And the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. Those sound contradictory, extremely contradictory to me. But in the footnotes of my study Bible, it says, these verses are complementary rather than contradictory. Although it is unwise to argue with a fool at his level, and to recognize his foolish suppositions, there are occasions when it is best to refute him soundly, lest his foolish opinions seem to be confirmed. So there are times when it's foolish to argue with a fool, and there are times when you need to argue with a fool to set them straight, and to set people around straight on what truth is. So in conclusion, I'll tell you to seek wisdom in life, Listen to those older and more experienced than you and search the scriptures for knowledge. Read a chapter of Proverbs every day and meditate on what it says and how it does or can apply to your life. Ask God to help you learn and apply his teachings to your life every day. And with that, I will conclude. I think next is the... Have the... Uh, Praise band, come back up and lead us in a couple of songs.